I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. We're two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hello. Hi. How are you? You know, I hope our listeners appreciate that we're not doing a cold open today because I was getting tired of them, but they are kind of fun. They are kind of fun. But they're also, uh, you know, we we miss out on the like, how are you existing? How right are now? you? I am existing in a universe where it's garden all day, all the time. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, my hyper focus has been working on this episode for the last week. So uh, I'm enjoying the fact that it's not freezing outside in Berlin. I have my windows open. So that's Mm, nice. That's so nice. Yeah. So one of the things that we wanted to like highlight at the top of this episode, you know, we're going to be continuing our parental rights extremism conversation here today. But we wanted to flag because I think this was going to be coming out right before it. April 30th is the first annual Day of the Homeschool Child. CRG is organizing around this to recognize children harmed by minimal homeschool laws across the U.S. And so we're, we're honoring children who um, have been murdered in homeschool settings, who have survived severe abuse and neglect in homeschool settings, and homeschool alumni who've lived through traumatic homeschool experiences. And they chose this to be in April to coincide with National Child Abuse Prevention Month. So what are we doing for this day, Kieran? On April 30th, we're wearing green and sharing our stories or the stories of other homeschooled alumni or homeschooled students who were abused or murdered to raise awareness about the need for <laughs> literally mm-hmm. any kind of protection at all, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, is there a hashtag? We, there's a hashtag, right? There's a hashtag day of the homeschool child. I think is just the hashtag, but there's a, there's a whole like media kit up on day of the homeschool child.org. So you can kind of see what we are like the history and the context here and like what we're, asking people to focus on as they, you know, share this. So take a selfie wearing green and share it on social media with hashtag day of the homeschool child. Um, Green represents youth and the vibrant lives homeschool children should be able to live. Cute. So join us for that. Um, Hopefully I don't have a green t-shirt. So I just ordered one from our own swag store. So hopefully that gets (laughs) here before the 30th and if it does then I will take a selfie wearing that shirt Um, amazing yeah so join us for that cool thing that we're doing dayofthehomeschoolchild.org if you want to check it out (sighs) yeah okay first annual I mean like I don't know I'm gonna chat about this a little bit more because yeah I think it's important just like if you're a listener of ours and you haven't spent any time in the homeschooling's invisible children database, it is like the darkest and most depressing thing that CRG works on. Like we maintain this database of children who have died 
you know, in connection to abuse that was enabled by homeschooling and lack of oversight, among other things. So I check it out uh, and like, you know, take a, a moment to honor those who were, you know, killed in the name of parental rights. Yeah, that's really, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. Okay, so part three of parental rights extremism. This is like a little bit of a sidestep episode. We have like our real like finale coming up. But this is a a fun hyper-focus of yours. What are we talking about today? So you know how we keep saying the conspiracy is real and everything is connected? Mm -hmm. The people listening don't necessarily know this, but you and I just spent literally like two and a half hours putting a map together in Figma of all of these connections, just so we can like visualize and explain everything that we're about to get into today. Did we spend way too much time as children reading Lord of the Rings and world building and making genealogies and maps for our fiction worlds? I know. Why would we have done that? We were trying to dissociate from, you know, high control did, groups. Did I spend several, several hours this week scribbling on a piece of paper that I then scanned to you because at some point I was just like, please hold it up and show our listeners so we can put yeah. this on TikTok. If, if you're watching this on TikTok, you're in for a treat because that's the original I version. got a scribble map for you. This is like geography meets genealogy. For like right wing orgs, I have been jokingly calling this incest 101. Working title. Um, and that's basically what it is. I mean, it's like we're tracking like the founder of this org came from that org, and like they share staff or they have a staffing pipeline or an alumni These staffing two pipeline. Orgs met in 1990 and had a baby. And now that baby <laughs> got married to these other orgs. When two orgs love each other very much and organizations are people with rights. A pack is born. <laughs> uh, the name of this episode is A Pack is Born. That's, just writing that down now. A pack is born. Uh, oh, yeah. There's no lies. No. Yeah. So uh, I went down so many, so many rabbit holes trying to like just, just deeper and deeper and realizing this is so big. Like you could write dissertations just on the founding of the moral majority just, alone. Just like the 1970s portion yeah. of this, this universe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like at some point I was just like getting overwhelmed and realizing, okay, I need to really kind of like narrow down my focus into something that makes sense because. (laughs) So let me let me get this right. You kind of focused on like who is pushing the parental rights extremism extremism agenda now, and like where Mm -hmm. did they come from, and like connecting that to like the big name orgs that we are familiar with from this world. Right. Okay. Yeah, it was it. I started working backwards, basically. There were so many moments where I'm like reading through this list that you created, where I'm like, wait, I know that name. Why do I know that late name? And then I'd like go on a wiki trail and be like, oh, like that person was like associated with the person who founded my college or like things like that. Where it's just like, there's some of this that like I 
I know because I lived in it and there's some of this that like I'm vaguely familiar with because it was like on the periphery Mm -hmm. and there's just a lot of, there's a lot that I didn't know and you knew because you'd worked in these orgs, like just. Yeah, I'm actually way more personally connected to a lot of this than I realized. Uh, So I found out while I was going through these rabbit holes of like organizations, like adjacent organizations and like who is part of like these, like who is the leadership of these organizations? And I, mm-hmm. I didn't focus on the like staff and leadership of organizations when it got to the end, because I just, it's too many people to like, it's too much. But I did yeah. find out um, that my childhood pastor mm-hmm. uh, in Florida uh, is an influencer in the Truth and Liberty Coalition, and it's like TikTok influencer. No, no, like- no, no. Like he's listed on oh, their website as an influencer, and I'm not entirely mm. sure if that means that he gives money or if he mm. or like what what that means organizationally for mm-hmm. this group. Um, but he did host their convention in 2021, so mm. that was yeah, fun. <laughs> Raise your hand if you found out that your pastor is is an influencer in another organization pushing for parental rights extremism. Surprise. Shocked. One yeah. of the things that I was doing just to amuse myself as we were going through this would, was like I would go to the wiki and just control F for Schlafly. Yeah. <laughs> and she's everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> The way that I like, yeah, the way that I did a lot of this, like, sort of comparing and like trying to like see if these organizations are linked was like putting in the name of the organization and putting in the name of another organization or like finding a news article about like, say, the moral majority and then controlling F for like whoever else to see if they show up in like the same, same thing. And all right. So. Speaking of articles. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> this is the cold open you were spared from. Yeah, I found a treat. Uh, so for a little bit of context, because um, it requires a little bit of context. Uh, God, where do I even want to start with this? So um, <laughs> anywhere would work. <laughs> uh, Ralph Reed is the found is a Republican strategist founder of the Christian Coalition, which is an organization that was born from the moral majority uh, in like the 1980s. And he is one of the like leaders of the movement of people trying to get Christians involved in politics in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s and so on. And uh, my my claim to fame in the right wing groups is that I worked on his lieutenant governor campaign in 2006 and I was the county coordinator and I was the coolest kid in Team Pact because he went to speak at Team Pact National Convention while I was there and he stopped dead in his tracks to say hi to me and everyone was like oh my god you know Ralph Reed like yeah I'm like literally like working on his campaign like you know like yeah. So uh, anyway, living the dream, living the dream. Yeah. So he is like one of the biggest grassroots organizers in the Christian right. One of the most effective organizers, grassroots organizers in the Christian right in 
his campaign is where I cut my teeth. So this mm-hmm. is where I learned how to like do really good grassroots organizing. And the thing that like kind of pains me to say is like he is actually very good at grassroots organizing. And his organizing is responsible for the rise of the Christian right into the Tea Party movement. Like he didn't win lieutenant governorship, but his organizing is a lot of why we are where we are right now. So that's where I come from, um, is is cutting my teeth on his campaign. So fun uh, times. <laughs> fun times. So he wrote a bunch of books, obviously, as you do. And uh, in the early 90s, a lot a lot of conservative Christians were still kind of like, eh, do I really want to get involved in politics? And so a lot of his work was trying to convince people that, yes, it's a good idea. So he wrote a book called Active Faith in 1996. Of course, that's the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, what else is it going to be? Uh, and the Washington Post has the whole first chapter on there. So I'm going to read an excerpt of the first chapter that, yeah, was going to be our cold open because it segues <laughs> beautifully into everything else that I want to talk about. I was reading it today. I was like, oh, this connects all of those dots that I literally just connected. So, he just he just tweeted it out. He just tweeted it out when I was five. <laughs> so, all right. All right. Let's hear it. Yeah. From the moment the religious conservative movement burst upon the national political scene in 1979 with the dizzying ascent of the moral majority, the press and political establishment reacted with horror. Jerry Falwell, James Robison, and a cadre of preachers and religious broadcasters had awakened the slumbering giant of the American evangelical church. Their supporters poured out of the pews and into the precincts, becoming the most formidable grassroots army since the rise of the labor unions. When the movement played a central role in electing Ronald Reagan and giving Republicans control of the Senate in 1980, their critics reacted ferociously, calling them fascists, extremists, and fanatics. I can't imagine why. I I just, I gotta say, like, this guy has, like, a knack for alliteration that's not annoying. It kind of works really well. He is a really good speaker, actually, and he's, like, a decent writer. Like, it's... Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Okay, sorry. effective. It's a problem. Falwell later found himself embroiled in the financial mess of the PTL scandal and beat a quiet retreat from the political scene. The embarrassing sex scandals that rocked religious broadcasting in the late 1980s, culminating with the collapse of PTL and the fall from grace of Jimmy Swigert, robbed the movement of the power of the electronic church that had once been its mainstay. I guess right, that's because like televangelism. Television. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, what are we talking about? Televangelists were like just becoming a thing in like the 60s and in the 80s were like the PTL. The PTL scandal he's talking about is the Tammy Faye Baker, uh, Jim Baker situation that like um, through the eyes of Tammy Faye covers it really, really well. It's Jessica Chastain vehicle. Okay. Yeah. The movement seemed dead. And the cultural elites danced on its grave. For believers, however, the grave is always followed by resurrection. <laughs> I just any second. He's he's too good. <laughs> I'm sorry, this guy's a little good. I know. Uh, the silent and plotting return began with the founding of the Christian Coalition in 1989, a year that saw the pro-family movement fighting a desperate and losing rearguard action. 
the Supreme Court upheld a Missouri pro-life law, sparking a vicious counter-reaction from the pro-abortion lobby. The National Abortion Rights Action League targeted pro-life state legislators across the country and poured millions into their opponents' campaigns. Two pro-life Republican gubernatorial candidates in Virginia and New Jersey waffled on abortion on the abortion issue and lost to pro-choice Democrats. Plans to legalize school prayer were quietly shelved. The number of conservative votes in Congress dwindled to barely enough to sustain President Bush's abortion vetoes. And this is H.W. Yeah, and I think this is also like the Virginia candidate, like the guy who beat him is Don Beyer, I think, uh, who's just retiring, but he was my my local rep- representative. How could the pro-family movement recover from the body blows it had suffered and regain the momentum of the early Reagan years? The way they chose was to focus on local politics and local issues. Thus, the Christian coalition began quietly building a formidable network of grassroots activists who organized their neighborhood, sponsored training workshops, identified friendly voters, and passed out voter education literature. A number of independent pro-family groups began to sprout up across the country, gaining newfound clout by lobbying state legislatures and producing well-researched policy papers. The media mostly ignored those changes. For three years, we breathed new life into the movement, all with little fanfare. When the Christian Coalition showed its new strength in the successful Clarice Thomas confirmation struggle, just <laughs> gonna stop that for a second. <laughs> just, just by the way, Clarence Thomas happened because of the Christian Coalition. <sighs> And Ginny and, and Ginny. Yeah, and you yeah. can go listen to our yeah. episode about that. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, after that, uh, the media attacked once again. Our opponents clearly hoped that we would repeat the mistakes of the old religious right, overplaying our hand, using overheated rhetoric, and becoming an easy target for the left. But they were swiftly disappointed. The grassroots were smarter, tougher, and wiser. They were seasoned veterans of many political battles. Now, nearly two decades after the first religious conservative broke into national politics, we are a part of the scenery, a permanent fixture on the political landscape, treated with respect by our allies and grudging admiration by our foes. And this is 96, so this This is is like... We haven't even gotten to the Clinton sex abuse scandal yet (laughs) nope (sighs) so uh the cliff notes of that moral majority dobson we've got clarence thomas falwell christian coalition christian coalition which is reed's organization and subtext and all of that coke brother money right yeah so, uh, so that's the thing. Like, this is in '96, and he's just recounting, like, you know, the last twenty years of activism. So, like, from the '70s, which again, a like, lot has happened just, since. So, so many things have happened, and so many things happened in the '60s and '70s that just like kind of brought all of this momentum. And then, like, he kind of touched on it. Like, it it came to a a little bit of a crashing halt in the 80s after, like, no, you know, they didn't win getting Roe overturned yet. (laughs) Uh, Like, (laughs) Roe happened and stayed happening. But they got Clarence Thomas, so they they got 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 Clarence Thomas. And just, yeah. So, uh, so I started working backwards. And 
the this is so, a long list you got, dude. It's a long, <laughs> it's a long, long list, and there's so much sort of like historical context that kind of goes into it. So, so let's start the like. I like that you have this list of like who loves who at the bottom of I'm looking at our show notes document that we put together, but like, so let's come back to the who loves who, but let's start with like in the seventies, once upon a time, once upon a time. way rich Falwell, Robertson, LaHaye and Robison mm-hmm. forming the moral majority, mm-hmm. which like we can kind of say like is the start of this. And remember the moral majority was like trying to activate a conservative religious voter base. Yep. They were test running issues. They latched onto abortion as the issue. They had not been anti-abortion up until that f- point, up until that point. But they found that like, for whatever reason you could get votes on this, get people to co- go vote on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And this uh, all hatched around the Barry Goldwater campaign. Cause there was, there was this right. faction in Conservative and Republican Party politics were like Republicans wanted a more moderate candidate and conservatives wanted Barry Goldwater and Goldwater was mm-hmm. just blown out of the water. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so that activated a lot of conservatives, a lot of religious conservatives. And that's, that was the impetus for the moral majority. Cause they were like, fuck this. We want like Christian values in, and mm-hmm. you know, we want all of these very conservative fundamentalist ideology in the Republican party platform. And so they were like, well, if we all come together mm-hmm. and organize around this and that's what happened. So the more majority is actually kind of like an umbrella of other. It's just kind of like the Genesis of all these other orgs. So way rich, who's way rich. What do we need to know about him? He founded heritage. Heritage uh, foundation. Mm-hmm. Heritage Foundation, yeah. And he founded ALEC, which mm-hmm. is they write laws, basically. They write like law templates for legislators. It's a lobbying org. Yeah. It's a lobbying org. And uh and he also founded, was one of the co-founders of the Moral Majority, and mm-hmm. along with, you know, like Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell, who started uh, Liberty and Regent and mm-hmm. universities, and uh, Dobson, who did focus on the family and Family Research Council. Yeah. And kind of adjacent to all this, like, definitely, like, politically overlapping, but, like, separate because of religious differences is... Schlafly and Eagle Forum and her organizing around the ERA, like all that's just like happening at the same time in tandem with all of this other stuff. So yes, just gonna keep yes. that in the back of your head. They they all love each other and are all friends. But you know she's going to hell because she's a Catholic, so it's fine. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, Waywitch was just another dude who founded a bunch of these right-wing organizations that are still alive and kicking today. Possibly the biggest is the Heritage Foundation and ALEC, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially ALEC because literally like they are handing legislators bills to just everywhere. Yeah. So then there's the Christian Coalition, which is 
Robertson leaves moral majority and forms this, which is what this article was talking about, Ralph Reed's Mm -hmm. stuff. And Pat Robertson also found it was like the guy behind the 700 Club and the founder of Regent University. Yeah. So that's a whole thing. Regent has a law school that like a lot of like, you know, fundamentalist Christian. I didn't even add the Regent pipeline to this, but it's big. It was yeah, it was too thing. big to add. <laughs> it was just they're like they're like they're like more moderate than like some of these guys. They're not like actually, but like be, they're not as like theologically serious as like Patrick Henry right. kids. Yeah. So, on the spectrum of things they're like (laughs) right next to each other but to the kids in that universe it's like so far apart yeah yeah so uh so all of those organizations are founded in the 1970s the one majority alec heritage eagle forum focus on the family all in the 1970s christian coalition hslda family research council leadership institute all in the 1980s. HSLDA is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, which we have talked about a lot, but so that's many. Mike Ferris's vehicle. Yeah. Family Research Council is uh, James Dobson's from Focus on the Family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tony Perkins also runs that now. That's the one that Josh Duggar was working for for a hot second. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Uh, the Leadership Institute is something that we haven't talked about on this podcast, but it's a pretty big deal. And I have been to the Leadership Institute multiple times for Team Pack camps. Oh, you have, have you? I have. I stayed in their dorms that are right under a bar, which was weird. That I have. Okay. All right. <laughs> Because I was a teenager. How did that get past them? Well, like it was part of like their their program. You can stay on site, right? But we just weren't allowed to go. Yeah, I I have questions about this. Um, Okay, so what's the Leadership Institute? What do we need to know? Ah, right. So uh, the Leadership Institute is like it's easiest to think of as like a clearinghouse. They are a organization that does training for conservative activists. Like you go there, you learn how to run for office. You learn how to do public speaking. You learn so they how target to like, at. So this is why they would be working with Team Pact because like Team Pact would be the teen version of this and that they do the yes. like adult college graduate version of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And and Team Pact's the the camp that Team Pact held in the Leadership Institute headquarters was called Back to DC, which is entirely a you run a presidential like a mock presidential campaign. Which by the way, I won both times. I was like one Congrats. of the few not says boys to win. <laughs> which was a whole thing. Mm-hmm, that is the whole thing. But I was fucking good at it, so mm-hmm. I won. But they do activism training, they do fundraising training, they do, like, public relations training, they do, like, you know, how to organize your campus training. They are, like, 
a training clearinghouse and also a lot of people who have like gone through their programs or used to work there have gone on to work at other organizations like the Alliance Defending Freedom, for instance, just to name one off the top of my head for no reason at all. Mm -hmm. Just the first thing that I thought of. (laughs) Okay. So Alliance Defending Freedom, I forgot that it was founded by Dobson. Um, Dobson, Sears and Bright, and then Ferris comes in 2017. Mm -hmm. Of course. Of course. Yeah. So Dobson goes, moral majority, focus on the family, ADF. Yeah. So cute. So Ferris cute. Goes, HSLDA, parentalrights.org, ADF. ADF. Yeah. Yeah. Also, and, Ferris, was the guy, Ferris was the guy who was running in Virginia, referenced in that article earlier. Ah, of course he was. Of course he was. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and also the founders of Alliance Defending Freedom and the Leadership Institute, Morton Blackwell, um, were besties. So besties. they were they were they were like really good friends with each other when, when they were founding organizations. Like Morton Blackwell mm-hmm. was like, Yeah, these people should exist. They're cool. Uh and so there's a lot of, you know, even to this day kind of work between these orgs and other adjacent orgs. But but we're not done yet. We haven't even made it into the 1990s. You haven't even gotten to the parental rights part of this conversation. No, no. We're still in like the moral majority in Christians are trying to like figure out what plays to get them more political power. Mm -hmm. Uh, So another organization that is like tangentially adjacent to these groups is freedom works and building education best students together is that what freedom it is slash best. building education yeah, for like students together yes is the is the freedom works like parental rights division but freedom works was founded in the 80s so this is the so homeschool work. Be best. Be best. Yeah, best. Well, it's not homeschooling. <laughs> it's just parents know best. I was making and a Melania just- Trump joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Okay. Parental rights and, version of be best. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and they're founded by the Koch brothers. So of course uh, they that's, are. That's where that that sweet sweet Coke money starts coming in. Also, like. We'll get to this later, but CPAC as well. Uh, CPAC Mm -hmm. is not really part, like it's, they're adjacent to the parental rights extremist movement. And the fact that like all of the organizations that are, that love CPAC love parental rights extremism. It's when all the the Nazis and Chinos come to DC in February every year. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's CPAC. That's all you need to know about CPAC. Yeah. I mean, and I say uh, Nazis because this this last year was at the National Harbor, like pretty near where I am, and like there were actual Nazis marching around. It was a thing. Oh I yeah, I don't think they got caught. I don't know that they got kicked out. I don't think they did. Anyway, why would they get times. kicked out? They're part of the base now. Mm. It was controversial though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but like that's that's where this is heading. The shit that Ralph Reed started 
uh, that got all of the like really radical fundamentalist conservatives who were called fascists and extremists uh, to have a seat at the table in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Direct line to here and to where we're you seeing know, open Nazis sitting at the table. One of the things that I like listened to in prep for this episode is the was it School Board Queen podcast? Oh, the Bedrock USA. Yeah, Bedrock USA. Serious. And it's po- yeah, podcast yeah. about, you know, the parental rights extremist uh, board member in Florida. And there's this, like, old school board member who's been on the board of this school board for 20 years. And she's, like, upset that this woman is coming in and, like, fucking with the system and how they how they work, make things work and how they, like, work with each other. And she's like, I've been Republican all my life, but like I switched to Democrat last year because it's just like everything's gone too far. It's just getting too nasty. And it's like, this is like, they moved the Overton window. Yep. They moved the Overton window to fascism and, and the, you know, old centrist part of the Republican party is just like out in the middle of nowhere now. Yep. 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 The party left them. And mm-hmm. it's it's been in the works for this whole time. Yeah. So anyway, that was sidebar. <laughs> yes. So Christian Coalition, HSLDA, Family Research Council, the Leadership Institute, and Freedom Works, all founded in the 1980s. Then 1990s come along, and we get the Independent Women's Forum which is basically like, you know how law schools have like those, their clearing houses for people like Blackwell and stuff. Independent mm-hmm. women's form is like that, but only for conservative women. And this is the one that was like organizing about around like parental rights to censor sex ed in schools, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They have a whole thing on their website about, uh, parental rights and like how it, you know, have to have to save women's rights through through all this stuff. They're just recycling the same shit. They really are. They really, really are. And so a lot of the organizations we'll see that uh, pop up later have staff who came from that organization. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the 1990s, the American Center for Law and Justice is founded, which isn't really doing a lot of uh, active parental rights extremist work at the moment, but they do support it. They see themselves as like the conservative ACLU. ACLU. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's Jay Seculo. So, you know, fun, fun times there. Uh, and then Alliance Defending Freedom is also founded in the 1990s with Dobson, Sears, Bright, and somebody else that I'm forgetting. Uh, and that is sort of like, you know, there's more smaller organizations and stuff that get founded in the 90s. But at this point, like, these are the working orgs right now. And you uh, should, like, up until clarify that. who Jay Seculo is. Real quick, because people know him, but they don't might not remember that they know him. Yes, yes, yes. So he does the Christian Broadcasting Network here. Like he's 
uh, he has a radio show uh, or did have a radio show. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's still going, but he's frequently on Fox, frequently on the Christian Broadcasting Network. And his whole, he, <laughs> he was general counsel for Jews for Jesus. Oh, of course he was. Yeah, because, you know, of Isn't course. Isn't there a Trump connection course. with him too, or is that something yes. else? Yes, yes, he's special counsel to uh, President Trump in 2017. Okay. Yeah, and he was outside lead counsel during impeachment in 2019 and 2020. Okay, so yes. y'all know who yeah. this guy is. And yeah, you, you yeah, Seculo is of, of, of Trump fame, mm-hmm. but also did a bunch of other uh stuff before that but yeah he uh he and our favorite favorite michael ferris um Mm -hmm. you know both tried to counsel trump um Mm -hmm. and and get him not that's right there's a there was a there's an article about how ferris did a little treason a little light treason a little, a little bit of treason, little, trying to, to thwart light, some light some election laws. Yeah. Mm. yeah, We should like talk about the Justice Foundation as like kind of parallel to this because I think that's interesting. Yes. So the Justice Foundation is founded by the guy who represented the row oh, of Roe v. Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is nineties too. And so Alan Parker represented Roe in that court case. And of course, like they both, you know, flipped, like recanted, like recanted. And what did he do more recently that we all know about? Oh, yeah. Well, he filed a bunch of uh, amicus briefs for Dobbs. Mm hmm. Uh, and and was helping ADF out that way. And now that mm-hmm. he, like his whole the whole founding of the Justice Foundation was to overturn Roe. And now mm-hmm. that that's happened, more or less, uh, that organization is shifting focus to parental rights. Surprise! I'm shocked. They haven't really done a whole shocked. lot. Like I they have you. shown up. Shocked. They have shown up for like education prints rights stuff like cases in texas hmm. it's shocking to find out how many times their co-person would have been uh adf i did not look it up but uh you know it's a lot. a lot it's a lot <laughs> yeah they're friends obviously with adf but they tend to be more uh state of texas focused than u.s focused National. at the yeah. moment yeah and then kind of so, like coming out of adf and what they're they're doing and hslda is the uh parental rights.org slash parental rights foundation mm-hmm. founded by mike ferris and jim michael smith yep the best best yep. buds forever best buds yeah forever and always yeah so um in yeah, in the early two thousands, uh, like we were talking about last episode, um, that's when Michael Ferris and Michael Smith uh, founded ParentalRights.org, which then later also became the Parental Rights Foundation, so they could have C three money fueling their C four, as you do. Mm-hmm. 
perfectly lobbying purposes. Yep. Perfectly legal, perfectly normal. normal thing to do with the IRS, actually. And like, honestly, like, it is shady, but literally everyone does it left and right. So like, it's not yep. that shady. But yeah, like it is anyway. actually what happens. It is how you mm-hmm. do that. It is. It is normal. Yeah. Um, normal levels and so, of gross. Yeah, it is all the normal levels of gross. There wasn't a whole lot of other things that were born out of the 2000s. Um, you know, local orgs that I didn't bother to get to, but like the big, mm-hmm. like national kind of coalition building kind of stopped until the 2010s. Um, so we have to recap so far. Um, oh, and, and I guess the other thing too is the moral majority it kind of stopped ended, until like Obama got elected. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. After we had like once Bush got elected, everything kind of like chilled out until Obama got elected. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of the 1980s, Jerry Falwell like uh, ended the moral majority. So that was no longer a working organization. Um, but mm-hmm. all of the other organizations that were birthed from that one still continue to this day for the most part in various different shapes and sizes. Christian coalition is still active. All the other organizations that we named are HSLDA, still family active. Council. Yeah. They're all, they're all Eagle going. forum still active and Surprise. doing stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there wasn't really a whole lot of like new big grassroots, organizations doing the work of like furthering parental rights as part of like their bigger overarching goal. Like a lot of the, so in the nineties it was, you know, parents' rights were used as an argument for getting rid of sex education in public schools. Like I'm a parent, I Mm -hmm. should decide when my child learns about how bodies work. I'm a parent. I should decide how my child learns about condoms and the gays. Right. Yeah. So like that was the big thing in the nineties. It was, it was abortion and it was sex education in schools. And those mm-hmm. were where a lot of the parental rights arguments were coming from is I don't want my child mm-hmm. exposed to this kind of education because reasons. And you also like, I kind of want to like, just tack on a, a reminder that all of this, like, the AIDS crisis was going on like the height of the AIDS crisis was going on at mm-hmm. the height of these, these organizing, you know, starts for these organizations. And like, as they're pushing against sex ed, you got to keep in mind, like it's not, it's not just like purity culture stuff. It's also like, you know, demonizing HIV AIDS as a gay problem yeah. and like you know considering it okay for that part of the population to die like it's mm-hmm. a whole is a whole like piece it's of this ex- context yeah yeah the homophobia cannot be removed from this conversation it is it is no. extremely homophobic well, the homophobia and like, like the like it's it's okay for there to be a gay genocide like like right not just like paranoia separatism but also like and it's fine if they die mm-hmm. like all of these things are like tied to each yeah. other well like, i mean like sorry. to this day pat robertson is like oh yeah like 
all the hurricanes and natural disasters are God's punishment for us allowing gay people to exist. Like, that I is... I love how much power he gives us. Like, do we, by that argument, have more power than God? I feel like Question. we do. Like, I feel and has, like... And it also has nothing to do with climate change. No. No, well, climate change is also the fault of the gays. And the abortions. Oh, it is. Oh, 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 there was, oh right. I don't right, remember right. where it was because I, at some point, like, my brain just gave out and I was skimming. But there was some argument that's like, yeah, the reason there's climate change is because of abortions. Because of all the energy used I, in abortions. I, they probably decided it was not worth pursuing that argument because it would make big oil mad and a lot of their money was coming from big oil. But that's cute. Also, just like, no, like it does not take I that just, much energy to take like two pills and then have a like really mm. rough period. Well, I, I, I like I, you cannot underestimate like the amount of like the big oil shadow on this. Yes. In terms of the funding sources. True. Like my undergrad, Grove City College, was like there is a statue in the chapel garden of uh, J. Howard Pugh and a lot of buildings are named after him. And like, he's a big donor to the college. Like the, one of the girls dorms is, you know, named after him. And it's, he's like the guy behind Sunoco, like the gas company. So like everything is just like you're pulling in the, AIDS crisis and the genocide of that generation of homosexuals and you're pulling in the gas money and climate change. And like, it's, it's all here. It's all here. Everyone is represented if you dig far enough. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of this overlap and a lot of like, you know, a lot of the react, like reason that we have this movement is because of people's reaction to the 1960s and like how people were were living and having sex and doing drugs and like that's why everyone is like oh we can't have this we need we need to stamp this out right now with law and so you know devil's cigarettes making everybody's lives more complicated and sexual right which you know (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so where where are we? Where does this like leave us today? Like, what are we seeing in terms of like what these orgs are doing and like what new orgs are popping up? Yeah. All right. So we've got big organizations who are what we see most commonly today. Alec, obviously, though, like that's not as like public facing. That's they work. No, but they're behind with it. Legi- with legislators. Alec and ADF. They wrote actually. So uh, just last month, uh, almost exactly a month ago, in March, the U.S. House passed H.R. 5, which is the Parental Bill of Rights Act that Alec wrote. And that bill, um, if you haven't followed it, the uh, TLDR, uh, is basically it would... uh, give parents the right to review the curriculum of their child's school, know if a state alters its academic standards, uh, meet with 
the teacher of their child twice each year. Like a lot of this is like normal stuff, like review the budget. You can already do that. Uh, inspect the books and reading materials in the library of their school. Address the school board. Again, you can already do. Censorship is great. Yeah. Receive information about violent activity in the school, which also already happens. Uh, And know if your child is not uh, proficient at grade level at the end of the third grade, which again, all these you already have. But it additionally includes the rights to receive information about any plans to eliminate gifted and talented programs, know the total number of school counselors in the school, know if the child's school allows trans kids to participate in sports, know if the child's school allows trans kids to use the restroom that assigns with their gender identity, and yeah, trans kids are not allowed to pee ever. Right. They just have to hold it forever. Yeah. Well... What they want is for the trans child to go into the bathroom that matches their birth certificate and get the shit beat out of them. No, what they uh, want is for trans kids to not exist. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, also they have the right to receive timely information about a cyber attack against their kid's school. Again, I feel like a lot of this is like standard. It's just like the grandstanding in order – like these like common sense things that already exist in order to like slip in like the the overreach. It's exactly bits. what it is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the bill provides for additional family educational and privacy rights, including by prohibiting schools from acting as an agent of a parent for the purposes of providing parental consent for a vaccination and prohibiting schools from selling student information for commercial financial gain. Sure. Fine. Okay, fine. And uh, again, like a lot of this is like reasonable. So if you skim it, like you're not closely paying attention. Right. Like a lot of this stuff already exists and is reasonable. And like they're just using it to like slip in these like really egregious overreaches. Yes. So the next line is uh, an elementary school or a school consisting only of grades five to eight must obtain parental consent before changing a minor child's gender markers, pronouns or preferred name on school forms or allowing a child to change the sex based accommodations. And that's where you get the like. Let's out trans kids to to their parents parents. before they're ready. Yeah. Yep. 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 So uh, Alec wrote that. All of the organizations, parentalrights.org is a huge supporter of it. Justice Foundation supports it. Like all of these organizations support that bill that just got passed. Mm-hmm. And new organizations that also are Who are the up. new babies on the scene? We have Who's some new babies. Daddy? So uh, Eagle Forum birthed. Uh, ACS <laughs> Club is. Yeah. Uh, so Suzanne Gallagher is was the president of the Oregon Eagle Forum chapter and is now the president of Parental Rights in Education. Uh, I believe she's one of the co-founders of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really hard to get information about how they started. I had to sign up with a fake email address to get the about page unlocked. And I didn't even get the like cute little history video that actually gave me the information I was looking for until I went to the California state chapter page where they outlined the timeline of like how the org was founded and who was involved. Thank you for doing that, that labor of love for us. Mm -hmm. 
So now I get like these great parental rights uh, action emails in my inbox, which is just I'm I'm kind of I'm keeping it because it's uh, informative, but I mean, also like there's really a reason gross. I'm still signed up for ADF's emails, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the things I yeah. do, yeah. So uh, Eagle Forum Lady uh, runs parental rights in education. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they, they were founded in 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, another new organization that we hear a lot about, not necessarily doing like parental rights stuff, but that's becoming a bigger focus of them now. More, they're framing it less as parental rights and more as school choice by way of giving parents rights, which is something that you'll see as well. This is Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA, and they were Tea Party related, yes. right? Yeah, okay. so they're from the Tea Party. They did a stint uh, with Liberty College and because Liberty had like this sort of like incubating foundation thing for like mm-hmm. activist groups. And that launched their like little faith program where they try to get more faith communities involved in politics as mm-hmm. if we're not overrun with that already. And so that's Charlie Kirk. Mm-hmm. And his biggest focus is on doing things at like the college level, but also involves like advocating for actual policies. Uh, and then we have, um, and, and those came from the 2010s and that's cute. Right. And then we get to 2020s. So we've left the teenagers behind and now we're hanging out with the toddlers. Now we've got the toddlers. Uh, so remember earlier when we were talking about the Leadership Institute and how they do like trainings and like train people and uh, they also do a lot of money funneling and staff funneling. And we were talking so. about the, the board member in Florida, the school board member in Florida. School board member in Florida. Yeah. So uh, the don't say gay bill. <laughs> little tiny organization. I don't know if anyone listening to the show has heard about or heard us talk about, uh, but Moms for Liberty exists. And yeah, they got their big start after after COVID mm-hmm. is when, you know, they started like and hopping up the, on the scene. The folks pushing the don't say gay bill in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So like a lot of uh, a lot of parents uh, got radicalized after COVID or like during COVID. I guess not really after because we're still in it. But like, you know. When all the but schools like, and stuff shut down. <laughs> well, like, so you had parents, like, actually listening to the, the curriculum because the kids were doing remote schooling in their homes mm-hmm. while the parents were there. And so they were hearing stuff and, like, the conservative parents found many more things to be mad about. Some of which were, like, not even being, like, actively taught, but just, like, existed um, yeah. within the curriculum and they like went digging for stuff and found things to be offensive and started sharing on Facebook and like, you know, getting people's standards up to like try to pressure some legislative change around this. They took all their angst about having to be parents during COVID and not getting a break from their kids and pushed it all onto school board members and schools and pushing for like legislative change. So they felt like they had more control over something, but all these parents are really just throwing a fucking fit. Mm-hmm. Like as they want to do, as they want to do. 
Uh, yeah. So uh, Bridget Ziegler is one of the three founders of Moms for Liberty. And she is really tight with the Florida GOP. Her husband is like part of the staff and is running to be like head of it. Um, that podcast I, I mentioned earlier kind of zooms in on her and her story. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point she intersects with the Leadership Institute and the, the Bedrock USA podcast. Go listen to it. We'll put it in the show notes. Did a really like they talked to her. It was I listened to all three episodes. It was a lot. They're pretty short they episodes, but yeah, they give a really good like arc of her rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, basically our friends at the Leadership Institute made a whole department just for her to focus on parental rights extremist activism. So they are paying her to train people to be parental rights extremist activists. Mm -hmm. Now that's a whole thing that they're doing just new, new in the last like three years. Mm -hmm. And the other organization that is new that also has leadership and independent women's forum ties is parents defending education. And they're also tight with our friends at, at like, parentalrights.org and like mm-hmm. they're 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 friends with everybody else through the nature of being connected to the leadership institute and cato and iwf and again like this is not about like parents defending kids rights to an education because why would they ever do that it is about parental control to restrict kids education right which is yes. so cute we it's so cute it's adorable why would kids have rights? Why would that be important? Why Why do kids need rights when they have parents who will defend them from the evils of people existing differently? Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. How brave. Yeah. So uh, so that's that's as far as I got. There are obvious, like this is not an exhaustive like or complete list. That, but like, <laughs> I think this is really, really sufficient for you know, to send people down the right rabbit trails on Wikipedia to like connect more dots for themselves. Like, I think yeah. this is, this is a really good overview. Mm. Yeah. So like the important takeaway here, cause we just listed off like a billion organizations is like all of these newer organizations, like moms for Liberty, parents defending education, like TPUSA, they're all connected to the more older and established organizations who have been doing this since the 80s that are super well-funded, that have a lot of resources, a lot of staff, and a lot of experience in grassroots organizing. A lot of supporters, a big mailing list, and they're just recycling all of this, like, you know, early aughts, 90s, moral panic around sex ed and, you know, turning it on parental rights extremist agenda stuff. Yep. I mean, it's all the same agenda. They're just using different. It's all the same agenda. They're just like updating the like buzzwords. Yeah. Yeah. It's, Instead it's of like, ma- it's a mad lib, mad right. lib politics. Yeah. Like they lost, like, I don't, I don't really want to say they lost the sex ed battle because there are still abstinence only schools, but like they, uh, they did that stint. And the nineties, and now they're moving on to making sure that no one can talk about race and no one can talk about queerness and mm-hmm. like 
God, doing this research has been exhausting because every single organization's website on this topic mentions combating the like gender ideology and talking about like how to deny your trans child's like autonomy and so what you're saying is as a trans person uh everybody should be sending you gluten-free pizza for doing this work for them right yes i would happily accept (laughs) gluten-free pizza for my week of being in this mud it's yeah it's it's so much and like literally all of the same rhetoric like from the 80s from the 90s until now it's all the same they just changed like they replaced like the word homosexual with trans they they replaced sex with crt mad live policy making is yeah and the other uh, the other thing that I want to attach to this is all of these organizations meet up every year in DC for CPAC. <gasps> like all of, them, all of them, all of them Nuts. are there in some way or another. <laughs> like ADF is there, Parental Rights.org is there, Moms for Liberty is obviously there, TPUSA is there. Like even when I went, like all these organizations were there. Yes, oh, I yeah. did go to oh, CPAC. Yeah. Of course he did. Like, My college roommates went to CPAC. I didn't go to CPAC. I went to literary conferences because I was a different kind of nerd. But yes. That seems better. <laughs> uh, I, we spent a lot of time talking about biblical literalism. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, six of one, half dozen of the other. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but different anyway. Like, different chinos. True. Yeah. So all all of these organizations are all all tied together, all super well funded, all super well organized, and uh, they have been successful for decades. And they're just you know when it's like a hydra, like when one like goes down or whatever, like three more pop up. Like there's just there's so right. many, which is why which is why like me being so visually oriented, I was like I have to make a map. I have to make a map. Otherwise, this is not going to make sense. Like, I have my whiteboard. I could have done it on my whiteboard. But, like, you live in Berlin. So, we used Figma instead, which is basically the same thing. Yes. Um, but feel free to, like, you know, I'm going to – we'll put the, the link in the show notes. Like, obviously, it's, like, locked, you know, for edits. But, like, if you have comments of, like, you're miss, we're missing something or something's confusing or, like, there's, like, another word we just, like, overlooked, like, please help yeah. us continue to to flesh this out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are orgs that I've missed. Like at some point I just got tired and was like, this is good enough to get the point across because there's so, and I, and I kept it at an org level because like, I didn't want to go through all of Michael Ferris's connections or all of Jay Sekulow's connections. I wouldn't want to just like, or, like just build his, his resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can do that if you want to and send me the link to your drawing of it, but I don't want it. Great times. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing all this research and talking us through it. It's a lot. Yeah. It's so much. It's so much. But like and and I think and and the reason that I feel like it's really important to point out these connections is because I think it's something that's so lost when like organizers on the left are talking about fighting against these because they just see like, oh, it's only moms for liberty. 
oh, it's mm-hmm. only parents' rights in education. Oh, it's, it's only not. parents defending education. Right. It's only like these little groups who pop up in their little like bubble. But it is it is a network. And they all it's talk an archipelago, not an island. Yeah. Um for next time, can I tell people what they have to look forward to? Yes, yes, do it. Okay. We have a friend longtime friend of the pod, Carmen Longoria Green. Uh, coming on to speak with longtime friend of the pod and regularly makes right wingers mad on the internet, Sarah Jones. And they're going to talk about messaging and strategy and how to be thinking about this in terms of like, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. I'm super pumped. It's going to be it's great. It's going to be so good and so much less overwhelming than this info dump. Maybe. <sighs> Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Cult podcast. Our music is from the track Janet by the Bend the Heavens on their album Stenazzo. Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.